The In-Depth Podcast with Richard Harding. My guest this time is uh, Michel Leclerc, who's the President of the Employment and Social Security Committee. Uh, welcome along to In-Depth. Hello, Richard. Thank you for inviting me. First off, uh, I'd just like to know a bit more about you. Uh, what were you doing before you went into politics? Well, I worked in the finance industry since I left school. So I worked for a private bank here in Guernsey and I headed up their back office operations. And um, yeah, it's uh, it was a brilliant time to be in finance. Are you still sort of keeping your hand in with that? Yes, I am. I still do 10 hours a week. Sometimes it's a bit of a juggle, um, but they're very, very understanding. Um, And I head up their social responsibility here in Guernsey and Jersey. So actually, I spend a lot of time at Lamar Primary School doing my social responsibility bit, which is absolutely fantastic. Now, uh, why did you start, decide to uh, stand for the states? Uh, you know, and how, how have you found it all over the the last couple of terms? Well, I I was encouraged to stand for the states by my employers actually, um, and part of it goes back to um, when there were the changes in the taxation and um, GIBA and organisations like that did quite a lot with business to say you know the twenty means twenty um, tax regime. So I got interested then and. Um, then after that, I just thought, oh, do you know what? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I could do it. And everyone said, well, it's one of those things. If you stand, you're probably not going to get in the first time. So I thought, oh, yeah, yeah, that that makes sense. And then I was really surprised because um, I stood in St. Peterport North because that's where I live and my family, my parents, my grandparents have always lived around that area. Um, and, you know, I was voted in. I even beat John Gollum that first um, election Um, so I was absolutely amazed but um, and I really thought I'd fostered for many years so I could actually see that there was another side to I was very privileged to be in the finance industry but I saw there was a lot of poverty on the island and there were a lot of people with some social issues. Now, I, I was living in, in that part of town, in your constituency, and I have to say, you were the only deputy who actually came to my door to canvas. So, uh, you know, full marks for that. Oh, well, Richard, <laughs> I had worked it out, I guess because that's because I come from an operational and a planning background. I had worked out that to knock on every single door, I had to knock on 75 doors every single day. Wow. And I was still working as well. So um, I did try to get round to everybody. And for those people, you put a slip through the door. So, um, yeah, it was difficult sometimes. Could become a bit more difficult with island-wide voting anyway, with a new system. Well, yes, (laughs) yes, exactly. The consultation on introducing anti-discrimination legislation has just closed. Um, So how's the response been? And uh, can you tell us a bit more about this legislation? Yes, well, um, the response has already been very, very good. Um, We've put in a lot of hard work getting out and meeting groups and, and we've had... I asked today over a thousand responses, which for a Guernsey consultation is really, really good. Um, and that was on sec- part A, part B and C, um, a few less than that. But actually, you know, I think the part A is is, is what is really fantastic. Um, this goes back really to 2013 when the states of Guernsey agreed the disability strategy. Um, and at that time, the, re- the responsibility was with Policy Council. Um, and then when we had changes in government in 2016, that work came across to Employment and Social Security. 
um, with a very meagre sum of money um, and very few staff resources, which is why it's really taken us as long as it, it has to get where we are today. Um, but we felt as we started looking at that work that actually it was important to widen the scope to additional protected grounds and that's what we've done. So we went back to the States in 2018 and felt that it had to be more um, anti-discrimination um, across as I say, increased protected grounds. And that's what we've been working on ever since. Now, a number of business groups have called for the consultation period to be um, extended. So why did the committee reject that? Well, we felt that those particular organisations had already had um, an opportunity to... um, participate in the work in two december two november 2018 we actually asked two experts from galway um to produce what we call a straw man of the legislation um and we launched that to all interested parties um including those organizations that have push back against um, what we're trying to do. Um, and they were invited along to that um, presentation. They were given um, uh, details of the straw man and they were invited at that stage, that was November 2018, to give their comments uh, and they didn't participate in that. Now, rep- certain representatives of those organisations have been included in some of our workshops that we've been, as we've been developing um, this consultation. So I think it was rather unfair of them to say this has come out of the blue we don't really understand you know this is you know too much because actually um some of that was actually in that straw man um uh, straw man proposals and i think people misunderstand richard that this is only consultation stage so we are listening to what people have got to say um, on those protected grounds and we will be coming back next year with our policy paper now very often it's the policy paper that comes to the states and that's when people suddenly realize oh there's some detail in here and the devil is in the detail so actually the devil is in the detail now in consultation stage but we are saying that this isn't going to be the final um, in the final policy paper or the final legislation. We know that we will need to look at the, the feedback that we've had. The difficulty we've got is that we know we've got polar opposites on certain of those protected grounds. So um, the gender, um, uh, description of sex, um, biological, non-biological, um, that's going to be a difficult issue because, as I say, polar opposites. And some of the grounds on, on disability, our definition of disability. So, for example, I think businesses are saying it should be more on the medical grounds. Um, and we've got the Disability Alliance saying, no, it needs to be on social grounds. We can't win in that situation, but we as a committee have got to try and come up with something that we think will actually get through the states of Guernsey for a start. Um, And that's the difficulty that we've got over the next few months. But that's where the consultation is really, really important. The consultation closed on the 30th of September. And as I say, we've already had some really, really good responses. So, um, and what we will be doing by the end of this year is coming back with um, detail of some of those responses that we've received.
Now, one concern uh, the business groups, which include Giba, the IOD and Chamber, is that people, people will be able to self-certify as disabled, even for things like a, like a hangover. Um, uh, what would you say to that? Well, that's not true. And I think that's part of the problem. Um, and we've actually got some sort of myth-busting um, documents on our website because I think people have um, misunderstood um, what actually this is about. So, no, that's not true. I think they're saying they think it's a soft touch compared with uh, with uh, Jersey and the UK and it could dissuade businesses from coming to the island or even cause them to relocate. Do you think that's Well, uh, I, I think uh, that? no, I think again to be quite honest, Richard, do we want businesses that are going to not relocate to Guernsey because we've got some anti-discrimination legislation? I, I don't think that's the case. I think they look at wider, you know, wider issues than that. But I think if we want to hold up our heads proud, we've agreed in the past to um, comply with various um, UN uh, uh discrimination um, laws um, and guidelines that we actually have to do something about it. Um, so far, we've just paid lip service to many of these, um, uh, you know, UN ideas. So now's the time to actually do it. But again, that's what the consultation is about. You know, um, the UK, I don't think the UK have got it right. When you look at their disability discrimination, there are 60 pages of how you can define that. The Jersey have gone down a combination of the social model and the medical model. It's still early days with Jersey, so I don't think we've quite seen um, that many cases coming through. Um, but, you know, we will do our best to get something that's proportionate for Guernsey. Well, would you accept that it does add cost, though, to business and a bit of complexity? Well, uh, complexity, maybe, but it's mainly probably for an HR function. So, um, again, we've just had, you'll know this, we've just had GDPR, the data protection legislation. You know, I think back to when we had health and safety legislation, the end of the world was nigh. That hasn't happened. People do adapt. Part of this is that we get in an equality and rights organisation and we'll be coming forward again with another policy paper because I think that's really key to helping people um, understand what this is all about. If they've got a concern before they take somebody on, maybe they speak to the equality and rights organisation and get some guidance so that they don't fall foul of the um, legislation. So the, these things are really important um, that we put some, the, the government itself puts some money into that organisation. We've met with some small businesses and you would think the small businesses probably don't have an HR function. Um, you know, the, the business owner is probably doing five or six, six different roles. Um, but again, they've been very positive about this because we've, talk, we've talked about the reasonableness, the appropriateness of this. Um, and I think that message is starting to sink in now. Now, of course, uh, Guernsey is a, a wealthy island in general, but uh, there are people in relative poverty. And how does your committee go about trying to, to stamp that out and make things better for people? Well, there is a limit to what we can actually do. And I think, you know, we had a debate in the States and, and it was about in-work poverty. And I really want to bust the myth that 
um, everybody that receives income support has not working because actually a large percentage of people that provide we provide income support for are actually in work and require a top up. But actually, we're restricted by the amount of budget that we have, and we're just going through the budget process at the moment. So we're restricted by the budget. So there are own uh, if you've got a certain amount of income, if you're above that amount of income, we can't help you. Um, sometimes if you've got some savings, you know, above that savings um, limit, we can't necessarily help you. So it's always difficult because it's those people just above um, the income support um, limits that we have that find it difficult and are finding it difficult to cope. Um, but I think it's not just an ESS issue. And I think that's why policy and resources have all, are also taking this on and looking at it because it's combined with um, opportunity, education, housing, you know, housing availability, high rents, um, high cost of um, purchasing a house, particularly for first time buyers. So I think it's a combination of things that are actually, you know, um, uh, give us this in work poverty that we have and our high cost of living. So I, I think it's for ESS to contribute to that in any way it can. But actually, it's a wider states issue that crosses a co- across a huge, all, almost all the committees. And, and do you think uh, government is working more closely together? We've always heard about the silo mentality. Ha- have you seen a change for the better in your time? Well, I think what I, what especially this is my second term and I remember being on HSSD last term and I have made some fantastic friends and um, Deputy Soulsby is a very good friend and I said to her I said look Heidi if you stand again I stand again if we're successful why don't we try and get on those two committees um social security and health because there is so much that we can do working together um, and we saw that need for that and I like to think that we have worked very closely together I think one of the successes I would say my personal success and I think she would also put this as one of the highlights of um, so far has been the free under 21 contraception we really worked hard and and when we were when we were not on both committees it was much harder to push that through but we just said let's find a way and we found a way you know and we've reduced teenage pregnancy by 75% in just 18 months absolutely fantastic but it doesn't stop there you know we work with um uh education and we're looking at a piece of work on family allowance at the moment um we work with environment and infrastructure because the housing mandate is split between us and them um uh, economic development we just voted in the new minimum wage rates last week in the states um so again these are really important things you can't work in silo there are always things that crop up and you think, well, I wish I'd known about that. But the majority of the time, I think, again, we've improved on that. So so what have been the main changes you've seen to in Social Security? And, and you know, is there anything coming down the line that we should be aware of? Well, I think the main thing for me, um, and again, another reason why I stood a second term, was the changes to income support. 
Um, and these are people on the lowest incomes. Um, and Andrew Liliva, he was a deputy in the last states, but he's a non-states member on um, ESS committee. You know, he has such a passion about this and he's really inspirational. Um, and they fought for so long to get um, the changes to income support. So do away with the rent rebate and the benefit system we have, amalgamate them. And I would say that's one of my proudest achievements this term. Um, is really getting those changes through. We got another four million pounds worth of um, income support benefits into the system, and we're still pushing because I've always said that was the foundation. And there are other things we need to do. We're looking at the benefit limitation, this um, this budget, and this uprating report. So I think that those are some sort of things that we've done that we can um, be really, really proud of. Um, coming up. Really, really busy. All committees are really, really busy. Um, we've got secondary pensions that will be coming through. We have got SLAWS, the Supported Living and Ageing World Strategy, and that's looking at long-term care. Oh, my goodness. Is Another that... thing that's taken a long time. Oh, Richard, that <laughs> it is, because there are no easy answers to that. You know, everything that we've had before us and all the ideas we've come up with ourselves are not very palatable. But we know that unless we do something, there is not going to be the money in the pot to pay for yours and mine long-term care let alone people that you know older than ourselves um really really difficult another issue that's coming up more and more is actually the staff so i've said you know it's all right if we manage to find the pot of gold but how are we going to get the staff that we need to look after us as we get older so that's a that's a really big um piece of work and of course then we've already touched on the anti-discrimination legislation do you think Brexit could negatively impact on, on recruiting, especially from off-island? Well, I think, again, I've said in the States recently when we debated the minimum wage and we did, debated, again, about population, that I think it is having an effect. A couple of things. I think it's the exchange rate at the moment has not been good. Um, so for those people coming to, to Guernsey, they're not earning as much and sending home as much as they once did. I think there's also the fact that um, in their own countries, the economies have improved in those countries that we've attracted from in the past. Um, so people, I think, are a little bit uncertain. Um, we've put up the minimum wage, so we don't think it's necessarily the minimum wage. I think it's almost that perfect storm and that not knowing what's going to happen. And I think, and this may be an unpopular thought, but I think we're going to have to look beyond the shores of what we regard as Europe to maybe Africa to think about some of those those people coming to our island and helping us out. So, you know, I think that is once you start going outside of that EU area, well, that may change after Brexit. You've got to start thinking about um, immigration controls as well, because that sort of trumps our population management, unless, particularly for the people that we're talking about for people working in the care industry and the hospitality industry. For those with... Um, uh, so it's low paid. Yes, a low paid. Jobs, For the yeah. higher skilled jobs, you know, the immigration, you can usually get um, your immigration. But again, you're restricted on the time limit that you can stay here. So I think that's what we're probably going to have to look at if we see the continuing loss of some of the guest workers from the traditional countries, Eastern European countries. So 
that might be popular, that might be unpopular. But I think, you know, we've had to look, you know, beyond those shores for nurses to the Philippines and those sort of countries in the past and and, and the present, actually, um, for nurses. So I think that's what we're going to have to think about is not necessarily just looking to Europe, but looking beyond Europe for people that will come to the island and work. So finally, um, will you be standing next time in the election? Richard, no, I'm not. I've already declared um, that I'm not going to stand. And it is for personal reasons. Um, I, I want to move on. There's other things that I want to do. I'm not saying that I won't come back at some point in the future. I do think island-wide voting, I mean, I'm not afraid that I wouldn't get elected. I think I would have as good a chance as anybody else. Um, but I think it's going to be very, very different. Um, and I just want, there's other things that I want to do. I think I'm still young enough. I've got another five or six years of my career. I think some of the things that I've really found interesting through the state, such as the Children and Young People, plan I think the anti-discrimination legislation that there'll be some opportunities for me to do concentrate on those things rather than having to be you know um, you have to know everything about everything so I think I'll just look at those specific areas and maybe in the future I'll come back again but I'll leave it to somebody else. So how do you feel about island-wide voting just very quickly? Well I was against island-wide voting I think People voted. I think it's a bit like Brexit. They didn't really understand what they were voting for. I think they think that they can vote people out. But actually, I don't think it will work like that. Um, it's going to be very difficult for brand new people, fresh faces, if you've got absolutely no profile on the island, to get your profile up to being your name to pop out out of a list of 80 people. And, and I've spoken to... You know, I've spoken to women in particular that want to sang because I think it's really important that we get that balance of demographic that represents our... 50% popu- of the population, yeah. Well, 51, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, we need to get that in. And I really think the women have contributed so much this term, really, really enhanced debate mm. in the chamber this term. Um, so I don't want to lose that. But I've said you've got to get out there now almost to start building that profile. Um, and I do think that there is still a place for the local door knocking because you know if you've got that core vote behind you and you stand on some parish principles and you do that old-fashioned door knocking you may just get yourself enough from that core to push you up into at least the last you know uh, quarter or last third of those island-wide voting if you're a newcomer every vote counts Every vote counts, yes. Deputy Carapel knows that. Michelle Leclerc, President of the Employment and Social Security Committee. You've been listening to the In-Depth Podcast with Richard Harding.